last summer, um, our family had some wonderful time together on a holiday. And during this holiday, we met somebody who may be familiar to you. There's hopefully going to be a picture going up on the screen. Uh, this is the real one. We met the real one, right? Now, I had a choice. I could either show you the photo of, this is my photo that I took of this, uh, this character, who some of you would be able to name. Darth Vader, Darth Vader correct. I'm sorry if you're offended by this being shown in a church, but it's fine. Um, um, I, I had a choice of showing you the picture of just him or the picture of him scaring my beautiful wife and, 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 and having her, and, uh, but I chose to do this picture instead. I could have shown you the, I was told, I could have shown you the video, but that was, because that's even funnier, but never mind. Anyway, the reason, uh, the reason I'm showing this is because as I was preparing for this morning's subject, um, uh, uh, this uh, wonderful Christmas cracker joke came to mind. Ah, you thought they were all over, didn't you? You thought the Christmas jokes had finished and there was no time. How did Darth Vader know what Luke was having for Christmas? He felt his presence. Okay, yeah, it was bad. Okay. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks, everybody. Um, if you don't know uh, the Star Wars, then that's a phrase that they use. They, what they can sense each other's presence. And so if you, I felt your... Anyway, if you have to explain a joke, it's bad, right? <laughs> if you have to explain it, you know it hasn't gone well. Anyway, moving swiftly on, why am I talking about that? Well, when I was writing an email to everybody in our church family on Christmas Eve, not Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve, uh, I wrote these words. Hello, everyone. I hope this message finds you well and having had an enjoyable Christmas time. I write today as we come to the threshold of a new year to give some brief updates and to say that I'm praying you will know God's presence, provision, and power in 2023. Now, I just wrote those words without you know, giving it a, a, an enormous amount of thought. Uh, but actually, those words have stuck with me uh, since I wrote them down in that email. And actually, they've been going around in my mind. And um, so uh, I really feel that we should look at what those three things might mean for us in 2023, to, to, to seek and to long and to desire the presence of God, to, uh, to accept and to seek the provision of God, and to see more of the power of God at work in our lives. Amen? So this morning, I'm going to start by talking about God's presence. And we're going to, over the next couple of uh, sessions when I'm speaking, we're going to talk about God's provision and his power. Today, we're going to talk about his presence. But I really believe this can be a prayer for us in 2023. A prayer that we might know more of God's presence, know more of God's uh, provision, and more of his power. Now, I do happen to have a surname that begins with P. That doesn't mean that everything needs to begin with P. However, my three points this morning all have an extra P involved. So, first of all, I want us to understand what it means to prioritize the presence of God. And I also want us to look at what it means to perceive the presence of God. And then also to pursue the presence of God. We're going to be reading from Exodus 33. Um, 
towards the second half of last year, we talked a lot about uh, Joshua. We had a series called Stepping Up with Joshua. Um, but we're actually going to go a little bit further back now, and uh, we're going to look at Moses. And Moses in Exodus 33 uh, says this, uh, starting in verse 12. Those are, words are a little bit small, so I'll just read them for you. Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked. Because I am pleased with you and, and I know you by name. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause my goodness to pass in front of you and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But, he said, you cannot see my face for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. Oh Lord, would you help us, help us to unpack, understand and live out your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. There are so many parts of this passage. There are so many things that we could dig into and delve into. We obviously only have limited time this morning. But first of all, let me just explain some of the context. Moses is at a time of enormous challenge in his leadership journey and of unique, fresh opportunity for the people of the Lord. They've recently received the Ten Commandments and the laws that God gave to Moses at Mount Sinai. But then shortly after that, they've had the golden calf incident. If you don't know what that is, the people were at the bottom of the mountain seeing that Moses was meeting with God and they were uh, just, they became impatient and they took matters into their own hands. And Aaron, even Aaron, instructed and was part of them building a golden calf. Uh, so instead of worshipping and waiting on God, they worshipped this calf. And so they experienced, as Moses came down, they experienced God's righteous anger. And that whole situation unfolded, and then God, it turns out, is gracious and good yet again. However, they've had that incident. And then at this point, Moses has been given the instruction to go up to the promised land, to, to, to make progress, to move towards the land that God had promised his people. At the, earlier in Exodus 33, it says this, I will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go with you because you are a stiff-necked people 
and I might destroy you on the way. Now this sounds like a really mean thing for God to say. But God knows what is best for us. And God knew that if the people had gone with the heart and the attitude that they had been expressing and that they had shown in the previous um, uh, episode, if God had gone with them and they continued to show that kind of disdain towards his will and his ways, then actually they would not be able to cope with his glory. And that his glory, his goodness, his holiness would destroy them. And so for their own good... God says, you may go, but I won't go with you because I will destroy you. My holiness, my goodness, my presence, my glory is too much for you to take, to bear. Aren't you glad that we live in the days of grace where Jesus' blood has been poured out and has has broken the curse of sin over our lives? But we still need to understand that God is a holy God. He is a righteous God. And the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, because he's righteous. And the people had to decide. They had to decide whether to go and pursue the promise, the promised land that God had promised to them, without the presence of the promiser. And sometimes in our lives, we can decide that we're going to go after the stuff and neglect the relationship. And this is what they were being given the choice to do. They had recently proven that they want to do things their own way rather than the Lord's way. And how often is that the case in our lives as well? I mean, you know, it doesn't take long, does it, for us to wander. You know, one minute we are firing on all cylinders and we are full of faith and we are everything seems to be going well in terms of our, 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 our faith journey, our walk with God. And then something happens and we just find ourselves on a tangent or walking in a different direction. Or is that just me? Is it just me? Yes, just me. Thank you for nodding. Our hearts so often desire that which God has not ordained and led us into. And the, prov- the people here had proven that they wanted their own way rather than God's way. But the Lord was still uncompromising in keeping his promise. This is what I picked up from this this week. They had proven to be a stiff-necked people, but God had promised them a land. And so God was going to be true to his promise. So God had made his, his, his covenant with his people, and he said, you, you, I will give you the land that I have promised you. And we have a choice to make in our own lives as well, because God may have promised us certain things. There are, there are certain things that are benefits of our, our faith that we can take hold of, even if we're not walking with God. Ouch. And sometimes we can pursue the things of God, whilst all the while we're neglecting the relationship with God. And we have a choice to make. Will we pursue the things of God or the God of everything? And I know I want to. My aspiration, though I fail to do so every day, my aspiration is to pursue the God of everything. We must decide ourselves whether we want God for what he can do for us or for who he is to us. 
And it's a big choice. Because the things that we can, the things that he can do for us, they seem so tangible. They seem like, you know, they seem to, to make a, a direct and, and, and easy difference. But actually, we want to seek first the kingdom of God. We want to seek first the relationship with God, knowing that everything else that he knows we need, because he knows what is best for us, he knows what is good, will be given to us. Amen? So we want to be Elim Aberystwyth in 2023. We want to be a people who seek his face more than seek his hand. Notice that we are encouraged to seek the face of God, and yet God says, nobody can see my face. We are still to seek God in all of his goodness, all of his glory, all of his holiness, all of his mercy. We are still invited to come and draw near to God, knowing that one day we will see him in all of his fullness and all of his glory. We need to know that no relationship is fulfilling without the presence of the people in that relationship. I think if we take our minds back two years, two and a bit, two and a half years, and we found the UK in this uh, unprecedented state of lockdown. We were unable to meet with anybody. We were unable to go and spend time with our families. We were unable to go and spend time with our friends. We were unable to meet together in our church fellowships in the same room and spend time together. If we did not learn the value of the presence of people in our lives, then we didn't learn anything through that time. And we got used to meeting online and having Zoom meetings. And how quickly did we get weary of those They're so brilliant in so many ways. They were so valuable and so helpful, and it gave us something. But how much more valuable to be in the room together and to be fellowshipping and to be able to actually just go and have a coffee with a friend, go and have some time with our families. And our relationships are only really worth the time that we give to them. And there is no sense of a fulfilling relationship when we don't actually Uh, have the presence of the people. We do our best, don't we, to make relationships work and friendships work across the nations. But there's nothing like that moment where you get back into the room with somebody that you haven't seen for a long time. So we do ask for the provision of God. and We do ask for the power of God. And we're going to look at some of those things in future weeks. But first... Our heart's desire truly is the presence of God. Amen? We must prioritize his presence. So how do we do this? Well, let's look at Moses again in Exodus 33. Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Jumping down a few verses, it says this, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Now, interesting, it's talking about them speaking face to face, and yet there's something else of the face of God that Moses wasn't able to experience and wasn't able to see and live. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young assistant, here he is, Joshua, the son of Nun, did not leave 
the tent. And I truly believe this is one of the most, this was probably the most important training ground for Joshua in terms of taking on the leadership of the people of Israel and leading them into the promised land was this learning what it was to, from Moses, what it was to meet with God, what it was to dwell, to have conversation, to be in the tent of meeting. Now, the concept of speaking to God as one speaks to a friend is utterly remarkable, even more so in the days of Moses. We often believe God desires us to conform to a certain behavior, but the truth is before God wants us to live a certain way, and and the church through the ages has been guilty of prioritizing behaviors over heart. God knows that if he has our heart, the behavior will follow. Why do I so brilliantly, all the time, perfectly do things to please my wife? That's, that, was, that was not true. Why is my general desire to do things to please my wife? Well, because she has my heart. And so if God has our heart, then we will seek to do what pleases him. And those things, uh, in terms of behavior, they will follow. God desires our hearts. The Lord created us for fellowship with him, to know him, to walk with him, to talk with him, to dwell with him. And Moses understood in this encounter that we read about at the beginning in Exodus 33, that to inherit the promised land... But to lose the presence of the Lord would be meaningless. And we need to get our priorities straight because we we might want to press hold and take hold of whatever God would give us in this life. But if we do so without the presence of God, then it's going to be meaningless. If we go alone, if we go without his presence, then it's going to be pointless. And how often do we see it, and maybe have experienced it in our own lives, that we're sold out on the stuff of God. We want this and that, and we want better this, and we want better that, and we want better worship, and we want better preaching, and we want better this, and we want better that in our experience together. And actually, we've forgotten to seek God himself. We want to make sure that we're a people, we're a church, we are individuals who prioritize the presence of God. Amen. Moses asked the Lord to teach him. Why? So that he might know him. Teach me your ways so that I might know you. Moses knew that it was only the presence of the Lord that might distinguish the people of God. He said, how else will they know that you are happy with us, that you have blessed us if you don't go with us? We can, sure, we can, the angel can lead us in this great triumph and we can take hold of the promised land and we can move in to Canaan and we can take over the, the milk and we can enjoy all the milk and all the honey we could ever dream of. But if your presence isn't with us, God, then what's the point? How else will they know that we are your people? And whatever we believe as a church or as individuals, God has laid out before us to go and take hold of. If we are doing so without the presence of the Lord, then, we are, then it's pointless. It's meaningless. Moses knew that the glory of God was more precious than any physical, natural or worldly thing that they could take possession of. 
So we need to perceive his presence. Again, in Exodus 33, as Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to their tent. It is vital that we recognize the presence of God and that we see when God is at work. It's not always as clear for us as it was for them with that pillar of cloud. Wouldn't it be lovely if we knew people who, 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 who had a pillar of cloud surrounding every time they went to a certain location and we could know? Well, I, it, it, we need to understand that even with those signs and those wonders, even having just been delivered from the hands of the Egyptians, even with being given manna from heaven, the people of God failed. They grumbled. They longed to go back to Egypt. Even with all the glorious signs and wonders that we may see, we need to, we need to have a relationship with God that, 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 that survives when all those things are stripped away. When all the pizzazz and all the wonderful worship musics that we, that we can put on our smart speakers at home or put in our earbuds in our ears, when it's all stripped away, it, does it still stand? In fact, I read a quote this week um, it's just come to, came to mind. Someone was quoting a book written by Jared Cooper, who wrote that song, King of Kings, Majesty, God of Heaven, Living in Me. And uh, in, his, in this book, the quote is something like this. He says, he often goes and meets with pastors, and these pastors tell them, well, the, the worship in our church is great. And he says he has this temptation to always ask them, if you took away all of your musicians, what would the worship look like? Because that's what the worship in your church is truly like. And he says he often gives into that temptation and the pastors don't really know what to say, you know. Actually, what is our worship truly like? What is our relationship with God like if we take away all the stuff? That's the kind of relationship that we need. So we need to keep our spiritual eyes and our spiritual ears open to him. If we jump back all the way to Exodus 3, we find this encounter that Moses had with God. Uh, Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. God appeared to Moses in a burning bush. A burning bushes were not completely unusual. It was something that would happen in their, uh, ge- in their geography and in their climate. However, there was something unusual about this bush. This bush wasn't burning up. And so Moses' curiosity led him to go and have an encounter with God. I wonder in my life if there's been times when God has been trying to show me something... And because I've been so determined to just carry on in the direction I'm walking or to be focused on the text I'm sending or whatever else it is that might be distracting me, that I've failed to just wander off to a burning bush and have an encounter with the Lord. We need to have our ears and our eyes alert to when God might be calling you and me for an encounter, for an opportunity to speak with him, to talk with him, to be given an instruction by him. So let's always be alert to what God might be saying in an unexpected and unusual ways because we need to be able to perceive his presence for ourselves but there's something else i want to say about the perception of of god's presence 
And that is that the people that we, that we are with in our communities, in our workplaces, in our families, in our uh, places of study and so on, they should be able to perceive the presence of God in us. Let's uh, remind ourselves from Acts 4 and verse 13 with Peter and John. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. What is it about your life and my life that people might look at and say, wow, those people have been with Jesus? Sometimes it is the effect of God's presence in our lives that will be perceived by those around us. These are the kind of questions you sometimes hear people quoting. How come you always seem so cheerful? Why can't we wipe that smile off your face? (laughs) Why don't you get as stressed as the rest of us? Oh, pardon my French, and I'm sorry if anybody is French, but sometimes that's used uh, by people as a kind of phrase for using bad language. And, and I find it very interesting that uh, people apologize. They suddenly realize they've said something, and I think it's just because you're, you're carrying the presence of God, that they realize that, that something's, oh, sorry, for, I, I won't say, I'll try not to say that around you again. How about this? I've noticed that you won't join in with the nasty conversations about this person or that person or won't join in with the crude jokes that are taking place in our workplace or those kind of things. Now, I don't put those up there to make you feel guilty because people don't say those things about you. I'm not suggesting that we are all going to be able to have all of those things said about us. And some of us, even though we are very genuinely and um, beautifully walking with Jesus, we, we, we find it difficult to be cheerful and, and that's okay. That's part of an individual journey for you. Some of us do still experience uh, the, the challenges that stress and anxiety may bring. So I'm not suggesting that we should all be able to uh, match up to all of these things. What I'm saying is these may not apply to all of us, but something, something, if we are walking with Jesus, if we are growing in our relationship with God, if we have the presence of God in our life, something should be seeping out. Something should be growing in the awareness and the evidence of the presence and the work of God in our lives. How will people look at you and me and be able to say that person has been with Jesus? And actually Moses asked this very pertinent question which is related to this when he said this, how will anyone know you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? We've all heard these phrases, we are in the world, but we're not of the world. And we know that in Scripture we're described as extraordinary people. Church, we spend so much energy trying to fit in with the world around us, don't we? Now, I believe we want to keep things relevant. I believe that it's fine to keep up with certain kind of trends and fashions in certain ways and to be contemporary but we should we should be different we should be as individuals as as a fellowship we should be we should be different we should be able and the thing that should mark us out is the presence of god 
people should be able to perceive the presence of God among us, and they should be able to perceive the work of God because His presence is in our lives. And we need to perceive the presence of God ourselves, and others should be able to perceive Him in us. The presence of God in our lives should distinguish, distinguish us from the world around us. And here's really the, one of the most powerful ways that this can be uh, done. In John 30, uh, 1 John 13 35, the way that we love people will discern that God is with us. How will people know by the way that we love one another? That will mark us out. So let's be deeply committed to loving one another as God's people. Let's be d- deeply committed to loving one another as a, as a fellowship, not always agreeing, not always finding it easy, not always liking everything that everybody does, but always loving one another. How many people know that loving someone does not mean always agreeing with them? And yet, people can look at us and look around a room like this and say, what on earth would get these people? this group of people in the same room together on a Sunday morning. Well, it's only the love that comes from God that draws us together to love him and to love each other. Amen? So we prioritize his presence. We perceive his presence. Let's also think about pursuing his presence. And I'm going to invite you to say this verse because it's only one verse. Let's say this together. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. Moses was a passionate pursuer of God's presence. He wasn't ready to settle for the already remarkable relationship that he enjoyed. We've just read Moses was, he was able to go into the tent of meeting and have a face-to-face kind of friendship level conversation with the Lord, getting instruction, being led. He had led the people from out of captivity in Egypt. He had led them. He'd been with them in the wilderness. Moses had a remarkable relationship with God, and yet he knew there was more to explore. He knew there was more. You and I can never, ever exhaust the goodness of God that there is to experience. Let's keep searching for more. Let's keep longing for more. Let's keep pursuing more. Moses had unprecedented communication with the Lord. He had seen the Lord do mighty miracles and deliver the entire nation, but he knew that there was even more that was worth pursuing. And the thing that he asked to pursue was this, the glory, the glory of God. In the Hebrew, this is more like kabout. And it speaks of a glorious, honorable presence. But it comes from this word kabad, which probably, properly means something about weight. Splendor and copiousness. Like, you know when you have to carry something and you know like the weight of that. I don't mean, f- I mean... Um, not literally speaking, physically carry, but figuratively speaking, you carry something. That's the kind of glory that Moses is talking about. Lord, may I experience your weighty glory. 
I can't, I can't think of a, a, a way of describing it in, in English that helps us to understand it more fully than that. But we need to pursue the glory of God, the weighty. We know that God is omnipresent. We understand that he is everywhere. We can't go anywhere and be away from his presence. And yet we also know that we've experienced that sometimes in our life something which is special. Especially like the presence of God felt different. It felt strong, whether it's in our devotional individual time or whether it's when we've been together in certain moments of worship or certain moments of quiet and silence or whatever in our experiences together. Well, we are to pursue God. Time with God is never time wasted. You can't waste time with God. And there is also, this is the challenge, there's no such thing as not enough time. Now you, may, you may answer, I have not got enough time to many questions, many things that people may ask you to do or many things that you may want to do. You say, well, I have not got enough time. Well, there's no, actually no such thing as being able to say you have not got enough time. We have all chosen what we are spending our time doing. Now, it may be because we've had to make certain choices that would be very difficult to not make. Well, I, I, I do need to do this because I need to earn enough money to pay my rent or my mortgage. I do need to do this because I need to you know, make sure my family are fed. I do need to do this. So, but we've still made a choice. and we've made a, It may be a good choice, but we've made a choice how we're going to spend our time. But if we are not choosing to spend any time with God, we are making a bad choice. <laughs> We can choose how we spend our time. And it's about having our priorities set up in the right direction. So I would encourage you to spend time with God. And if you do already do that regularly, to think about, is there any more time? Is there any way I can make that happen more? We all choose how we spend our time. And any relationship that worth, that's worth investing in requires intentional investment of time. So I want to encourage you to make an appointment today. Write it in your, I write these things in my diary. And I say, I have got, sorry, I can't meet you tomorrow. I've got an appointment. And that's time that I've set aside because it's an important appointment that I'm going to spend some time with God. I don't do it as often as I should. But let me encourage you. Unless we are intentional about spending time with God, then it is the thing which will, the enemy will just allow us to have pushed to the side. I'll, I'll, I'll grab a minute, I'll grab a minute later. Uh, do it before the breakfast. Do it before the supper. Whatever else it is that has to, that is pressing in around, let's get it in our, let's intentionally get it in our schedules before. There's an old Greek philosopher, Theophrastus, and he said that time is the most valuable thing a man, I'm going to say, and, or a woman, can spend. Time is the most valuable thing that we can spend. And we may think that our bank balance is the most important resource that we have. But let me tell you, that is subject to the time that you have. Because you spent your time in order to gain whatever's there. Time is the most valuable thing. Let's give some time to God and pursuing him. And uh, Sharon was unaware that I would be using this verse when she chose the songs 
for today, but the song that we sang just before I started speaking was speaking about us renewing our strength as we wait upon the Lord. Isaiah 40, it's been a big passage in my life, something that I've tried to aspire to. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. So what does it mean to wait on the Lord? Well, we might think it means serving him dinner in a restaurant. And in some ways, people have heard, I have heard interpretations of waiting on God being, serving him and doing things for him. But actually, I think it's more like what we would understand the wait to be when we're waiting for the lights to turn green. Again, the Hebrew says is this word kaval, which means to wait for, to gather together, to look patiently, to tarry, to wait uh, upon. Um, and it comes from a primitive root word, which means to bind together. And I believe that, I mean, let's be honest, none of us like to wait for stuff, do we? And we live in a culture that says you can have whatever you want 24 hours from now by clicking this button. Right? You can have anything you want. Just like that. In fact, some things you could have within seconds just by clicking this button right now. And you can just download it. We live in a world that is losing the art of waiting. Losing the art of the value of the wait. There is value in waiting. I remember even as a child saving up for something. The value of the process of having to save up for it and longing for it and waiting for that computer game or whatever it was. There was value in the process. There was value in the waiting. We need to relearn the value of just waiting on the Lord. Knowing that he will renew our strength. And that all the stuff of life, all the stuff we want, all the stuff we need, he will give to us, knowing what is good and right and best for us. So our prayer, my prayer for us in 2023 is about prioritizing his presence. That we might perceive his presence and that we might pursue his presence more as a church family and as individuals. If you want to share in that desire and share in that prayer with us as a church this morning, then please feel free to stand. And we're just going to spend some time waiting on the Lord. If you want to prioritize his presence, let's stand together. Say, yes, Lord, this is us taking a stand. There's no embarrassment. If you don't want to stand, that's, that's fine. But Lord... We stand to make a commitment in 2023 to say we are going to pursue your presence, Lord.
We are going to prioritize your glory in our lives. We are going to seek your face. We are going to recognize that you are our deepest longing. And we're going to wait on you, Lord.